Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church here in Chicago, Illinois, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. We just wanted you to know that we're so glad you chose to join us today. And once again, welcome. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, what we're doing is we're continuing through a series entitled The God Who Is. And today's message is going to be entitled The God Who Is Love and Truth. And what we know is that our God is inexhaustible. And we could do a series covering his character attributes alone without end. However, over the next several weeks, we want to look at the scripture to better understand a few of these uh, characteristics of God that will help us to better relate to him and to one another during this time. Today's character traits will better root us in the foundation of our relationship with God and others. So today what we're going to do is we're going to focus on this statement that we will better understand the meaning of life when we realize that God is the love that humanity craves and the truth that it desperately needs. We're going to break this message into three parts. We're going to talk first about imagining a world without truth and love. Secondly, we're going to talk about the love that we crave. And then finally, we're going to talk about the truth that we all need. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today that gives us a clear understanding of both your love and your truth. God, we thank you that they're inseparable, and we thank you that through them we can come to know not only your character and your nature, but how you've chosen for us to live in this world as a reflection of you. Help us to live that way today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we talk first about imagining a world without love and truth, what we know is that without God, there would be no proper reference for unending love grounded in truth. We all know that we have a desire for love. We all know that we have a need for love, but there would be no reference point for unending love that's actually grounded in reality or truth. We intrinsically know that love is important because it's the zest of life and it's really the glue that holds it all together, whether it be in a romantic relationship or uh, with a familial relationship or friends. We see, however, that in our relativistic society, though, though we have an understanding of the importance of love, we don't always understand and we sometimes forget why truth, an objective truth, is just as important as love. Yet analytical philosopher and author, Dr. William Lane Craig reminds us of this, that in a world without God, who's to say whose values are right and whose are wrong? There can be no objective right and wrong, only culturally and personally relative subjective judgments. Think of what that means. It means it's impossible to condemn war, oppression, or crime as evil. Nor can you praise generosity, self-sacrifice, and love as good. To kill someone or to love someone is morally equivalent. For in a universe without God, good and evil do not exist. There is only the bare, 
valueless fact of existence, and there is no one to say you are right and I am wrong. Now, what a horrible existence that would actually be. So the question is, is what is the solution to such a conundrum? Well, thankfully in scripture, there is a God who makes two distinct claims about himself. And the first is that he is love. And the second is that he is truth. So let's talk about the love that we crave. We receive the true love that we would crave when we embrace the person of God. Now, why is that? Well, love is ideally, and what we see biblically, not just a feeling, but love is in fact a person. And that person, according to scripture, is God. In 1 John 4, verse 8, it says this, that anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, when you walk in biblical love, you are living like God. And according to John the Apostle, walking in love is a prerequisite sign of actually knowing God. And what that means is that regardless of what you've seen about people who call themselves religious or call themselves Christians or call themselves followers of Jesus or not, people might have been in a cultural bubble of Christianity, but if they have not demonstrated and they do not walk in love towards one another and towards the world around them, what God says is that they don't actually know him because God is love. Now, the problem today is that people have agendas yet forget to love. And when you forget to love, you're actually forgetting God. And no matter how justified you feel in your cause in the moment, when you forget God, you need to understand no matter what cause you're taking up on behalf of people, when you forget love, you're forgetting God, and then people are not far behind. We know love, though, by knowing the person of God who actually teaches us how to love. So we're going to talk about what love is, and then we're going to talk about what love is not. Now, the word used for love in 1 John verse 8 was basically this. It was a Greek word that was called agape. And agape is defined as affectionate regard, goodwill, and benevolence. Affectionate regard, goodwill, and benevolence. And agape is having goodwill towards people even when they don't wish goodwill towards you. And that's a challenge for us all, if we're honest with ourselves, that if I'm going to get to a place where I know God and I'm actually reflecting the love of God, I'm having goodwill to people towards people, whether they choose to have it towards me or not. Now, all of the characteristics that we see of love are actually reflected in one of Paul's famous writings, the Apostle Paul's famous writings in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we like to call it the love chapter, and 
If you're not familiar with it, you still might have been exposed to it by attending a friend or family member's wedding before. It's the love chapter that you often hear people reading from and reciting as their reference to scripture. And what we see is that God says very practically that love is explained not just as an objective or as a command of how we're to live, but it's also a reflection of who he is. And so if we want to know love, if we want to know God, we can look at this scripture to better understand who God is and how he interacts with us. Now, the agape love of God is so important that the Apostle Paul begins his discourse on love saying this in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And check this one out. This is the one that really blows my mind. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And that's uh, the one that blew my mind because you would have thought that if I'm actually doing these things, giving all that I have away and offering my body and sacrifice on behalf of some great cause, that automatically means that I have love. But according to the scripture, it doesn't. That you can do acts that look good or look righteous, but still do them without love and be disconnected from God. Well, how do we make sure that we're not? We need to live this way, Paul says. He says, love and therefore God is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable, irritable or resentful. For all the people in the back and for all the people on camera, it's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. That's the good news about God, and that is the good news about what he's called us to live like as followers of Jesus. Now, what we've got to embrace by looking at this scripture is that no matter how spiritual or how righteous you think you are or how righteous I think I am, do not think, we cannot think that we are representing God or what's right if we're not walking in love. Agape is what God expressed towards, um, towards us when he actually sent Christ, Jesus, into the world. And agape is life-transforming because even when we were enemies of God because of our evil behavior, we found that agape, the agape love of God was at least two things. Number one, God's agape was unconditional. And then number two, God's agape was undeserved, meaning that it was a demonstration of his grace, him giving us that which we don't deserve. 
And this is the love for which the world is actually longing, the love that it actually craves. People are looking for somebody to love them unconditionally. People are looking for somebody to give them, even in their worst moments, even when they find out they've been exposed and they are told or said that the world that's close and near and dear to them realize that they're imperfect and not the people maybe that they thought they were. They're craving and we're all longing for a love that still gives us an undeserved agape anyway. This is what the world is longing for. And this is what and who rather God is. But what love is not is two things as well. Love is, or at least God's agape, is not agreeing with everything that someone does or even condoning it. We have that twisted in our generation and in our culture today that if we love somebody, we're just going to say, whatever they do is fine, whatever they do is right, and that's what it means to be loving to them. But that's not God's agape. Number two, God's agape is not approving of something that is harmful or untrue in the hopes of not offending someone or their feeling of self-actualization. But that is definitely the pressure of the culture in which we live today. But the perfect love of God is not these things. And I would submit to you, it's better to do it his way. Because agape is making efforts to center people on the truth of God's word, character, and purposes for their lives, which through God's love actually leads to their good. So people need to understand that God is love and he's the actual love that we crave, but he's not just that love that we crave, but he's also the truth that we so desperately need. And the two aren't they, they don't combat one another, but they walk hand in hand together. Truth and love. Even as Jesus came with grace and truth, God's truth and love work hand in hand to be his hands and feet in the world. And we will be grounded in love when we are rooted in the truth of Jesus Christ. We need truth to anchor us when times are tumultuous and there is so much vitriolic disagreement in the world around us. I don't know if any of you uh, go daily onto your social media feeds, but it's literally a cesspool of hate right now. It's a cesspool of not just happy dogs and cool elephant tricks and you know, bug-eyed puppies looking at you and, you know, uh, saying little funny, cute things to you. But it's actually a battleground right now. And in the midst of this type of atmosphere where people are living their true selves, we need to have truth as our anchor. And just as love is a person, so we see, according to the Word of God, that truth is not just a concept, but Truth is also a person. And that truth, that person is Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, Jesus was talking and declaring his nature to 
his disciples and he said this in verse 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, why did Jesus make such an exclusive claim? You would have thought that if Jesus was so loving, he would have offered many different ways to God. Why was he so adamant that the only way to God was through him, the way, the truth, and the life? Well, it's because of what his love would accomplish for us on the cross. And there was a man named D.A. Carson who actually described the good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross this way. He said, the gospel is not simply good advice, nor is it good news about God's power. The gospel is God's power to those who believe. The place where God has supremely destroyed all human arrogance and pretension is the cross. Now this means that at the cross, we are covered in our shortcomings and failures. That's part of the good news of it, is that we've all blown it, we've all made mistakes, we've all been ashamed of things that we've done before throughout our lifetimes, whether within our relationships with our loved ones and our careers and the choices that we've made financially, it doesn't matter. But at the cross, we see that God himself, in his love for us, covers our shortcomings and failures. But someone's actually said a sad thing when they said, it's okay if people don't like you because most people don't even like themselves. And that's how a lot of people feel in the world today. Yet at the cross, we are liberated from our propensity, even for self-loathing, because we are made new creations covered in the righteousness of Jesus. And even more than that, we know that according to Ravi Zacharias, Jesus did not come into this world to make bad people good. Instead, he came to make dead people live. So when God brought us to himself at the cross, he says, I'm not just interested in changing habits or attributes about yourself, but through my truth, I'm going to make you who are dead in your transgressions and sins come to life and live so that you're enveloped in that love. You're filled with that love and that love empowers you to live differently than you did before. This is why truth is actually important. And it gives us the grounding to love God and others consistently well in the world, no matter our environment. Some people are losing their love as well as their minds right now because of all of the intensity and the combativeness in the culture around us right now. But through the truth of God, we can be grounded in love because God is both love and truth. Now, to understand God as truth and Jesus as the truth, we need to understand at least three things about what truth is and three things about what truth is not. What truth is? Number one, truth is a person because it is found in Jesus Christ. The sinless life death and resurrection of Christ is an historic truth that enables us to interpret 
all others because what Jesus did in the gospels is an historic truth. Then we see we're able to interpret everything else about life and his creation through who he is. Number two, truth is revealed. That means that the gospel is not merely discovered, meaning many people go on searches and quests to find truth and also find themselves. But truth is not merely discovered because God proclaims to us who he is through the gospel in the person of Jesus Christ. So if we're going to know truth, it has to be revealed to us by God, where if you wanted to know me, you can't just look at me from the outside and uh, make certain assumptions about myself, but I have to tell you my thoughts. I have to tell you my likes and dislikes. I have to tell you my preferences. I have to tell you my ways. That's self-revelatory. And so God is self-revelatory and he communicates truth to us in the person of Christ. And then number three, where we find that revelation and where we find that proclamation of God's truth and the truth of who he is, is in God's word. This is why Jesus, whenever he was praying to the father, he, he actually was praying for those who would be followers of his. And in John 17, 17, he said, father, sanctify them, meaning set them apart to yourself in the truth. Your word is truth. And when Jesus himself was described as the Logos that we talked about in John chapter one at the beginning of this series, in the first message of the series, he was described as the word of God. He was not simply being declared as God. He was also being hailed as the direct expression and embodiment of the thoughts, intelligence, and message of God to the world. So if you want to know what God thinks about the world, what he wants to do in the world and his purpose for the world, you can look to Jesus Christ, who is the word that became flesh. And this means that we will not only know how to properly relate with the world by following the commands of Jesus, but we will come to properly interpret all truth through Jesus Christ and his word. We've got to embrace God's love, but we've also got to know his truth. So what this means is that truth is those three things, but we also have to embrace what truth is not. And truth is not, number one, because God is true, Jesus is the truth. The truth is not subjective. The truth is not subjective because it is based on the nature, character, and commands of God. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, God said this, that God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. And that's good news because I don't know about you, but sometimes I get tired of being fickle myself and sometimes tired of dealing with fickle people. But God is not a man or the son of man that he should change his mind or lie. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Meaning does God make a promise and then not back it up? The answer is no. God will not lie or change his mind. And therefore we can know and trust that truth is not subjective because it is based on the nature, character, and commands of God. Number two. 
Truth is not relative. Truth is not relative because God's nature does not change based on human emotion, desire, or circumstance. Truth is not relative because he doesn't change. In fact, in Malachi, the prophet Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6, God declared this about himself, making it very clear. He said, for I, the Lord, do not change. Maybe you know somebody in your life or in your family who might be set in their ways, right? And oftentimes when you say that, that's a bad thing, right? But God, who is completely pure, completely loving, completely good, actually, it's a good thing when he says of himself, I, the Lord, yes, I'm set in my ways, but I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. And when we know that God doesn't change, we know that because he is the truth, the truth is not relative, not changing based on human emotion, desire, or circumstance. And then number three, truth is not temporary. Truth is not temporary. That God is not influenced by our times, popular trends, or who may presently find themselves in political office. That means November's coming very quickly and everybody's getting ready to vote. Though at least they should be. But the thing about it is that some people are going to be happy. Some people are going to be disappointed. But you know what's going to remain true? The word of God and the standard of truth, no matter who finds himself in office. God is true and truth is not temporary because God is not influenced by our times. In fact, Hebrews 13.8 said this very specifically about Jesus and his unchanging nature. It says that Jesus Christ, the good one, the one that we worship, the one that we serve, the one we look to as the standard of all love and goodness, he said he is the same yesterday and today and forever. That means that even when we're faithless, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. He remains steady. He remains constant. He remains loving, true, and good. And that's good news whenever we're trying to actually build our lives on his words and the pers his personhood, his character, and model our lives after him. We don't have to wonder whether or not he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Why? Because he's the God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. But beyond that, he's the one who remains the same no matter the times. Our times will change. People's preferences will change. Our laws will change. Everything around us will change. That's what they say, right? The only constant in life is that there will be change except with God. God says, I remain the same and I sustain all things by my powerful world, by my powerful word rather. And if you want to remain steady in love, despite the changing times, you've got to remain steady building your life on his truth because God is that truth. Jesus is the truth just as God is love. Now, thus the meaning of life when we come back to considering this the meaning of life that we seek is steady, secure, and unchanging because it is actually found in the unchanging one. And it is attainable because of the love demonstrated to us 
and is now operating through us when we submit our lives to Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. And God loves you and has shown this by what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Jesus had to go to the cross to pay the price for our sins. Even though he loved us, he's also just, right? His love doesn't nullify his justice as we were talking about several weeks ago. He had to be both loving and just. So he basically, to be just, laid down his own life as a sacrifice on the cross to demonstrate his love for us, to pay for our sins against a holy and a just God. But because he was innocent, completely loving, completely innocent, he was raised three days later through the resurrection so that we could have forgiveness of sins and new life in him. And God ultimately, both through his love and his truth, wants to be at peace, not at war with you, not at war with me, and not at war with this world around us. So what can we do? If we know that God is loving and he doesn't take the pleasure in the death of any wicked man or any woman, wicked woman, we can repent and turn to him, turn to his love today, turn to his truth today, and we can leave the idea of having our own personal truth, which is so shifty, which is so shaky, and really leaves us disappointed, insecure, and forlorn in the end. Why? Because there's no grounding for it outside of God, besides the whims of our day or maybe what we ate the night before. It's relative, but we can turn from the idea of having our own personal truth and submit today to God's objective love found in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we do, we will better understand not only the meaning of life, but the God who is, who is literally the standard and the embodiment of love. And not only the embodiment of love, but Jesus, his son, is truth. And when we're looking for truth to be an anchor to our souls in the midst of a tumultuous, changing time, Jesus is the answer, both now and forevermore, in his mighty name. So we invite you to come to him today. So if you hear this today and you say to yourself, you know what? I have never had a grounding in truth. Truth has always been relative to me, but you know, I see that <clears throat> it's actually left me without much grounding in my decision-making in life. It's left me insecure in my relationships, insecure in my place in this world, insecure in my future and my direction in life. But I want to actually come to the God of the Bible who actually says he loved me, he made me for good plans and purposes in him as I turn to his love and I turn to his truth. And I want to turn away from what he calls sin, missing the mark, and turn to him today for redemption and new life in him. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me? Because God's calling you home and he wants to make you a new creation, full of forgiveness, full of life, full of love and truth, just as you come to know him. So why don't you pray this with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I've been a rebel and I've lived not only in uh, selfishness, but I haven't lived in love and I've tried to determine to my own detriment, my own truth. 
but I embrace the fact today that you are both love and truth. And I turn away from whatever I would try to define as love or whatever I would try to define as truth in and of myself today. And I say that I submit to you and I look to find it in you. I'm asking that you would forgive me today of my rebellion against you and help me to really humble myself to learn who you are and how to follow you. I ask you to forgive me my sins and I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to live the life, the perfect life of love that I should have lived and die on the cross, the death that I should have died so that three days later I, he would rise from the dead offering me not only forgiveness of sins but new life in him. I say that Jesus is my Lord today and I'm asking you to make me a new creation and teach me how to walk in your truth, embracing your love from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the good news is, is that if you prayed that prayer sincerely, God says in his love, in his truth, he's made you a new creation. And then would you do this with me? Would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find not only resources, but the next steps of how you can walk out this love and truth in God Almighty. He has it for you. He's waiting for you. And it's a good life. It is the life you were meant to live as you walk with the God who loves you and created you. So let's do that today. And if you didn't pray that prayer, but you just say, God, I want security and the truth and the love that you have for me today. Why don't we end with this prayer together? God Almighty, we thank you that you are enraptured in love for me. And God, you've shown it through the cross. You've shown it by your uh, rescue mission that you came on for me. And I thank you that day by day, I can be enveloped and filled with that love and be more than a conqueror, even through Jesus Christ who loves me. So God, I'm asking that you would help me to be filled with that and secure in that love today. And you would help me to have the conviction of the truths found in your word, regardless of what the culture says around me, that I might be not only faithful to you, but pleasing to you in all my ways, all my days in Jesus name. Amen. And we are just saying that we are so glad that you chose to worship alongside of us today. Again, we encourage you to join our community groups throughout the week where you can continue to dive deeper into the love of God, not only with God himself, but also with his body, the community of faith, that you can learn about the practical love that he has for you and that you're to show to one another. We also want you to learn how to be established in this truth. So go to our website and find some of the resources that will help you get established in the word of God and this truth. So we love you. We hope you have a great week in the Lord. And please do bring a friend next week who also needs to know about the love and truth of God. God bless you and we'll see you then.